Welcome to the Cornerstone Vineyard Weekly Message Podcast. We are enthusiastic about all ages pursuing, experiencing, and having an authentic relationship with Jesus, others, and our community. Join us as we open God's Word and seek His direction in our lives. All right. Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, like I said, my name is Matt Porman. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, I want you to actually, if you're sitting next to somebody, I want you to take your arm and pat them on the back for just a minute. Just pat them on the back for just a minute. Way to go that you've survived daylight savings time. Way to go. I knew without a shadow of a doubt that this service would be a little less attended today. Uh, so, uh, hey, I'm excited that you're here this morning. Uh, before we jump into our teaching, though, uh, I do want to uh, actually celebrate a couple of things with you uh, this morning. And the first thing is, which is a little ironic that it's daylight savings this week, but I want to celebrate the fact that last weekend we actually had our largest attendance of the year. Um, and so that's really exciting. Um, there's a couple of, of reasons why that's exciting because uh, some of you know this because you've been around, but man, we want to have an impact on Michiana. Like, you know, we actually want to do, we don't want to be the church that just here that we exist, but we actually want to see people's lives changed. And so, uh, so it's exciting when we get to see more people around, because uh, when we see numbers, that means lives, lives that we get to see God interact with and change. And so that's exciting stuff. Uh, but that also means, by the way, that you're doing a great job of inviting people to church. So way to go, church. You're doing great. So keep inviting people to church. Um, uh, I actually had a, a former pastor of mine that used to say that you never know when an when a invitation will change a life. And so I'm excited um, for all the new people that we're starting to see around here at the church. So keep inviting people. If you don't have invite cards, we have invite cards at the Welcome Center. It has our uh, address on it and the service times, all kinds. Grab a couple of those and think about somebody maybe you can even invite to come to church next weekend. Um, who knows? You might change their life which would be really cool. So, uh, and then the second thing that I want to celebrate this morning is that uh, for the last two weeks, we have had phenomenal offerings um, to the point where it's like noticeably phenomenal. And so I want to say thank you to you for uh, your generosity towards the church and your faithfulness to give and tithe. Uh, it's really great uh, when we can uh, look at things and go, hey, what else can we do instead of, oh, crap, what are we going to do? I said crap in church. Is that okay? Um, right? Like it is. It makes a difference. It really makes a difference. So I uh, thank you. It really does. It, it moves ministry forward. And so, uh, man, it's been, it's been awesome to see that. And so now we're starting to have conversations of what other things we can do. So thanks for that. Um, with that, then we're going to go ahead and jump into our teaching. If you want to turn to 2 Samuel chapter 16, that's where we're going to land today. 2 Samuel 16, if you don't have a paper Bible, if you didn't bring it with you, there are paper Bibles spread throughout that auditorium, probably whatever other seat or so, you can grab one of those. Or you can go to sermons.church on a browser on your device and search for Cornerstone Vineyard Church on that, and you'll find all the fill-in-the-blanks and the scriptures, all that stuff will be there for you today. And to get us started today, I want to start by telling you a story. Uh, it's actually a story of something that happened to me several years ago in a church service, actually at the very end of of a service. And uh, I'll just kind of give you a little bit of idea of what was going on. So at the end of the service, we were coming up and doing our prayer time. And I was up front trying to wait for somebody to come and, and receive prayer and it was something we normally do. And, and so I had this guy approach me and uh, it, was the, it was probably one of the most unique ex prayer experiences I've ever had. Uh, but this gentleman walked up to me and he said, uh, Matt, I don't know why I'm up here, but God tells me you're supposed to figure it out. And I was like, okay. So I was like, all right, well, so, I mean, you know, uh, I know that God can speak. So I, I began, I just said, hey, let's pray then, because I don't know why you're up here. Let's pray. So I just took him in, and I was asking God, okay, God, why did you bring him up here? This, like, what, what do you, you want to share with him, and what, are, what should I pray for, and those kind of things. 
And I don't know how God speaks to you, but oftentimes when I'm doing those kinds of things, God will speak to me. He'll show me an image in my mind's eye, right? And so I got an image in my mind of a, of a silver knight's mask, if you can kind of picture that, a silver knight's mask. And so, and, but nothing else. And I was like, God, what does that really mean? And nothing else. I didn't get anything else. And so I felt like, I was like, okay, well, and so I said, hey, I was just praying. I felt like I got this knight's mask. Does that mean anything to you? And he was like, no. And I was like, okay, all right. So uh, let's pray again. So I prayed again, and I was like, okay, God, like, there's, there's a reason you brought him up here. We're like, what? All this kind of thing. And so again, I saw the knight's mask, but this time I actually saw the face mask of the knight's mask go up, and I saw a man's face, and I saw a scar on this side of his cheek. And so at that one, I, I said, again, this is what I got. Like, does this mean anything to you? And as I shared that with him, and at that moment, the man just began to weep. Uh, uncontrollably weep, actually. And what I didn't know at the time as I was praying, and, and, I, and I took some time to pray for him, I, I, we talked a little bit, uh, is that years earlier, this guy's wife had had an affair. And uh, it was a pretty messy situation. Um, and as you can imagine, that was for him and for her. And they actually worked it out, which was awesome. Um, but... Uh, he actually so badly, more than anything in this world, he wanted to find the guy that she had an affair with and have a conversation. Now, some of you might go, yeah, he really wanted to have a conversation. But he wanted to have a conversation. The conversation was not so much that he could yell at the guy and beat up the guy, but he wanted to tell the guy, I forgive you. He wanted to, to like, hey, listen, like, I want you to know that there's no hard feelings. I forgive you. And, and, and there was no way for him to do it because the guy had moved out of town and his, his wife kind of cut off contact with him. And so she didn't know. He, he's one of those weird people that doesn't actually have social media, which is by probably a wise thing, right? But he didn't have social media. There was literally no way to contact this guy. And his heart was heavy because he goes, I just want this guy to know that he's forgiven. And no wonder why he began to weep. Because what, 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 what I think what God was having him come forward with was he, God, folks, saw the fact that his heart wanted to forgive. And God wanted him to know, hey, hey, I see you, and I see you are, that is a noble thing that you're doing. It's a noble thing that you want to give. Because by the way, that is a gut-wrenching kind of thing to walk through in life. And God wanted him to know that he didn't have to care. Look, he said, hey, God saying to him, look, you don't have to carry that burden anymore. There's no way for you to let him know, but I know your heart, and your heart is to forgive. God saw his heart to forgive. Now, I use that story this morning to begin because, uh, partly because, again, I think it was one of the most unique prayer experiences I've ever had in my life, but, uh, but I also use that to tee up this question. It'll come up on the screen. How easy is it for you to forgive? How easy is it for you and me to forgive? My guess is, is we put, if we would put ourselves in this guy's shoes, right? If we'd put ourselves in his shoes, um, it would be quite hard to be where he was, wouldn't it? To, to forgive this, like, because he, he would be really more willing to forgive his wife. But man, I don't think, hmm, I'm going to go on a tangent. Um, so like the, my, my wife, we've been together for uh, 27 years and whatever. We just get to celebrate our 19th wedding anniversary. But there's one guy that she dated in between us. How many of you know that guy? I don't really like him that much, right? So like, so like the reality is like, I, I, you know, there were certain things he probably could forgive his wife, but man, it would, it would be very easy for him to just hold out, held on to this anger and frustration about this guy. And yet, like he, he's, he's at this place where even in this deep woundedness, he was like, I want, I want to know he's forgiven. I want him to know he's forgiven. And, and so I, he forgave, and I think that's significant. And what we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk today about the value of essentially having what was in his heart in our heart. And there's, folks, the value of having a heart to forgive. 
We're going to talk about that today. Which, by the way, is actually something that we are actually called to possess in all areas of life. Take a look at a couple of scriptures. Colossians 3, 13 says, Bear with each other, and here it is, forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Second verse, Ephesians 4, 32, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And then lastly, Mark eleven twenty five. 25, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that the fa- your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. There's value, and I think we know this. Is, I mean, I'm not giving you anything that's like, ah, oh, this hallelujah chorus moment today, right? But there's value in having and living out a heart to forgive, right? We know that. And, and, and is it an easy task? No, and we know that too. But gosh, isn't it? It's an important one. It is an important task because uh, it can have, right, as we know, like if, uh, if we hold unforgiveness in our heart, folks, that can actually have ripple effects far beyond what we can even recognize on us, in, in us internally, right, inside of us, right? You've probably recognized that where you, you've had some level of, in your life, uh, of level of unforgiveness, and it eats you up inside, doesn't it? It does me. Or... Uh, uh, like our everyday lives, like we're carrying a weight, like it's hard to carry and, and those kind of things and, um, and, and we're burdened. Like have you ever heard like the saying that, they, that, that goes like something like, you know, forgiveness uh, is not about forgiving them, it's, it's us, uh, sorry, I'm gonna start that over. You've probably heard the saying that holding on to anger on forgiveness only hurts us, not them. You've probably heard that, right? If we hold on to that stuff, it only, it only, only hurts us, right? Hanging on to that stuff, right? It only hurt, it hurts us. It can even affect our connection to God from this scripture, right? Like God, God, God's supposed to, he wants to forgive us and we gotta forgive other people to let that happen. So there's value in having and living out a life that's different, um, especially if we're followers of Christ when it comes to forgiveness. Have a better heart to forgive, uh, which is what we're gonna explore today as we, uh, and a few things to doing just that as we continue our study of the life of David. We've been in this series, many of you know, uh, called According to David, Life Lessons from a King. And what we've been doing in the series is each week we've been taking a look at, uh, in the scripture an account of, of David, King David, right? The guy after God's own heart. And essentially, like, if he's a guy after God's own heart, uh, trying to go, okay, if, if he's doing things that are, like, towards God, then we should do things probably that he's doing. Like, how should we live our lives uh, according to David? And today we're going to look at an account where David actually models forgiveness, David models forgiveness, uh, t- teaching us a couple of things as we dig into 2 Samuel chapter 16. Now, before we do that, before we jump into the text, a, couple, a little bit of context uh, so this all will make sense when you get into the text today, okay? Um, at this particular time, remember that, the, that it was King Saul, and then David took over for King Saul. And so at this time, we're in this scripture, we're actually, David is the king, okay? He is the king, okay? But his kingdom is in a little bit of turmoil at the moment uh, because his son, Absalom, has actually started a coup against David. He's trying to seize power from David. And he's kind of sneaky about it because essentially what he does is he basically goes around telling everybody like, hey, I'm the king. And here's the crazy thing. People actually believe him, okay? People believe him. And then he's starting to gain power and traction, all those kind of things. And so David is starting to realize like, oh man, like Absalom's gaining some power. And at the end of the day, like I want to remain king, but really what I really care about is I care about the people and I care about the, the, the region that I'm in charge of. And so, and so instead of like creating a, a, a fight and, and, and a challenge with Absalom, David decides I'm just going to leave town. Okay, and so David leaves town with his, his whole family and a bunch of his men, and, uh, and this is where we're going to pick up the story. When David is leaving, it's actually along the journey. So let's pick it up in verse uh, 5 of chapter 16. It says this. It says, as King David approached uh, Barium, 
a man from the same clan as Saul's family came out from there. His name was Shimei, son of Gera, and he cursed as he came out. He pelted David and all the king's officials with stones, though all the troops and the special guard were on David's right and left. As he cursed, Shimei said, get out, get out, you murderer, you scoundrel, scoundrel. The Lord has repaid you for all the blood you shed in the household of Saul, in whose place you have, been, have reigned. The Lord has given the kingdom into the hands of your son, Absalom. You have come to ruin because you are a murderer. Then Abishai, son of Zariah, said to the king, why should this dead dog curse my lord, the king? Let me go over and cut off his head. But the king said, what does this have to do with you, you sons of Zariah? If he is cursing because the Lord said to him, curse David, who can ask why you do this? David then said to Abishai and all his officials, my son, my own flesh and blood is trying to kill me. How much more than this Benjamite? Leave him alone. Let him curse, for the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will look upon my misery and restore me to his covenant blessing instead of this curse today. So David and his men continued along the road while, <laughs> this is crazy, while uh, Shimei, Uh, was going along the hillside opposite him, cursing as he went and throwing stones at him and showering him with dirt. The king and all the people with him arrived at their destination exhausted, and there he refreshed himself. So this is an interesting story. This might be a new story for some of you, but it's it's a valuable story in the life of David. I think there's some really important things in here when it talks about this idea of forgiveness today. So our title this morning is Pardon Over Punishment, David's Heart to Forgive. And I got a couple of things uh, from that text that I think are uh, important to take from that today that I want to give to you. But uh, first, let me pray, and then I'll give those things to you. So let's pray. God, we thank you for an opportunity to come and to worship you today. We pray, God, that as we look deep into this text now, uh, into this, this account of the life of David, I pray, God, that you would make our hearts, our souls, our minds sticky and supernatural things would stick to us, that we'd be more like Jesus as a result of our time together and in many ways more like David in this, in this story. God, that you would change us. You would, you would give us way more often a heart to forgive. It's tough, God, to have a life that is lived in forgiveness. I admit that. So we need your help. Help us. And I pray that you would uh, just work through my words today and by the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we have two points today. Here's your first one. Correct this first one in. David models forgiveness by, number one, resisting a nudge to lash out. You can fill it in. Resisting a nudge to lash out. Man, the kids are having a great time back there today, aren't they? They're, they're having a good old time. All right, so uh, before we look at the text and where I get this from, right? So we have, the, again, let's kind of recap this. We have this, this guy cursing at David, right? Pelting him and his men with rocks. Kind of irritating, actually, to be honest with you, right? It's kind of irritating, right? And it's mostly because David took Saul's place, right? And, and, and Shimei, like, loves, loves him better, right? And basically thinks, oh, David, you're just a murderer, you're a scoundrel, which, okay, right? We looked at the last couple of weeks, like, David wasn't perfect, right? David make, made some mistakes, right? But let's be honest, right? So did Saul, Right? If you know the story of Saul, like Saul, again, was trying to kill David many times, right? All those kinds of, and, and probably would have killed King David, right? If, if, uh, if God wouldn't have intervened. And so, like, Saul kind of had his stuff too, okay? And so, this guy basically, uh, essentially, is just kind of a loudmouth, right? And, and uh, it's kind of a tyrant. And one of David's men pipes up and says in verse 9, it says, Then Abishai, son of Zariah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord? Let me go over and cut off his head. He basically, he's like, uh, yo, King, dude, this dude is getting on my last nerve, 
right? Like, can you imagine? Like, he's throwing dirt and all this kind of He's like, dude, king. And like, he's calling you out the king. He doesn't even know who he's messing with, right? Dude, let me just go, king, let me, let me go kill this dude. Let me go chop, chop his, off his head. And, and David says in verse 11, right? David says, David then sent to Abishai and all the officials, my son, my own flesh and blood is trying to kill me. How much more than this Benjamite? And then this is what's significant why we chose this text. It says, leave him alone, let him curse, Leave him alone, let him curse. So he resists, David resists this nudge to lash out. He decides to not even really engage. I think that's something significant from David here. I mean, how many of you, I was thinking about this in my own life, how many of you uh, wouldn't have to go back and ask for forgiveness for things if you would just not engage in the first place? I was... I'll just be really honest with you. When I was thinking about myself, my numbers probably would at least be in the double digits, likely be in the triple digits. Some of you probably are in the same boat, right? If we just didn't engage. Oh, that's a lesson I need to learn way better. And then I was thinking this week, trying to find, like, figuring out a, a way to kind of illustrate this a little bit. And I was thinking this week, um, and I know this might be a little controversial because I know a lot of people have different opinions on this, but many of you are aware of this thing that's been going on in our community. You can bring that picture up of the teacher who uh, actually slapped a student in us locally. And so I don't want to get into the debate of, of all this stuff, but I was thinking about this particular situation. One, by the way, it's a messy situation, very messy. Um, but I was thinking about this because here's my guess with this situation that we're dealing with locally. By the way, it's also gotten national attention, okay? Here's my, and I think this is a pretty good assumption. If this teacher could go back and do this all over again, if he could re uh, replay the situation, here's my hope. My hope be, would be, folks, that he would just not engage. That would be my hope. My hope was that he would just not engage, maybe take a cue from David here, walk, up, walk back to his classroom, get the administration involved, right? Let them handle it. My hope would be that he just would do uh, what, what David did and just say, just let him do it. Because it, here's what, here was the end result, right? The end result was by, by engaging, he put himself in a truly messy spot where, by the way, he let his anger get the best of him. Not good, by the way. You see, and I think, let me, let me turn this back to David then. You see, we see David model the value of a forgiving heart even on the onset by not engaging. By not engaging somebody who was really kind of irritating and annoying and wouldn't give up. We're gonna talk about that in the second point today. He just didn't engage. Living out what ultimately would come later in the scripture uh, from one of the apostles, James. It actually says in James chapter one, verse 19, many of you know this verse. It says, my dear friend, brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be, look, you can probably quote it, right? Be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. So David says, leave him alone. Let him curse. How many of you know that's different than most of us would respond? I'm not alone, Right? Like, that, that's not how we would respond, right, most of the time. And yet, I think there's a cue from David here that, that, that God wants us to respond more like this. Quick to listen, slow to speak. I think that it's significant that, that David didn't engage in the first. Like, inside of himself, he was like, nope, he's, he, pushed, he pushed against that. And then not only that, right, like, 
uh, it's equally significant is the fact that he didn't let anyone else tell him uh, to, to get into it either, right? Uh, again, verse nine says that Abishai is kind of getting irritated, saying, yo, king, like this is getting annoying. This dude, he's about gone. Like I'm about ready to like punch him in his face, right? And right, it says in verse, again, nine, it says, why should this dead dog curse my Lord? Let me go over and cut off his head. Um, and then ultimately, his brother Joab is probably saying some stuff too, at least what we can infer from the text, because it says in verse 10 that David actually addresses more than just uh, Abishai. All right, it says, what does this have to do with you, you sons of Zariah? So he's, he's addressing Abishai and Joab, right? And so they must have been both saying stuff. They're kind of going back and forth just a little bit. And David says to them, he says, let him alone, or leave him alone, let him curse. David didn't let anyone else kind of talk him into this idea of engaging either, uh, essentially, here's what David actually did. Do you know that David, he, in this moment, he shut down the aggressive voices? Folks, can I say that I think sometimes we need to shut down the aggressive voices? We need to shut down the aggressive voices around us. You know, I find it interesting, you probably do too, that there are sometimes in our lives where, where it just seems that somehow, some way, that everyone else just seems to have the right answer for our problems, don't they? And sometimes those voices, because they love you, right, and they care for you, and those kind of things, sometimes those voices are just aggressive. And can I say that those voices aren't helpful? Aggressive voices oftentimes are not helpful, right? And so I made a list of things. Like, I think sometimes people can go, ah, just cut her out of your life. You don't need her anyway. That's not helpful. Abandon him like he abandoned you. Just walk in and take it. It's yours anyway. You, should ne- you know what? You should just sue that blankety, 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 blank. I did that for the children in the room. You know, you just, just divorce him. Divorce her. You have the right to say what you want. Just tell him off. You, you've probably had those voices in your life, haven't you? I've had those people in my life. You see, folks, sometimes everyone else seems to have the answers to our problems, and those answers just are not helpful. They're just aggressive. And so like David did here with these two brothers, uh, he, was like, he was like, hey, like, this is not helpful. Now, I don't want to, to get me wrong today. I don't want anybody walking out and going, well, Matt's telling me I don't have to listen to the counsel of anybody else. That's not what I'm saying, okay? Uh, when I, uh, Proverbs 27, 9 says, perfume and incense bring joy to the heart and the pleasantness of a friend, brings, uh, of a friend springs for, from their heartful, uh, heartfelt advice. I mean, there are times, there are times when, right, we should include others in our decision-making. Like, there's another uh, proverb that says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed, right? So there's value in getting advice, okay? But notice in this particular, bring that one verse back up there, would you? Uh, yeah, notice in this particular verse, right, in this, this particular, I, lo- I love this one, this, is that, that nothing suggests aggressiveness in this text. There's no aggressiveness in there. Actually, on the contrary, right? It's like pleasantness and flowers and frolicking and all, right? It's all that. It's not aggressive. It's pleasantness. I was thinking thinking this week that sometimes uh, the aggressive voices around us, folks, you know what they actually do? They actually absolutely do not give us a heart to forgive, but they just institute blame and conviction and bitterness and resentment. You've probably been there. I've been there. I think, and I want you to hear me say this today. Folks, I think we need to cautiously consider action that's based on others' opinions. I'm gonna say that again. We should consider cautiously action that's based on others' opinions. You probably heard that. This is not my notes. You're gonna get this for free. 
Probably hurt, right? Like the, whole, I, the thing that kids popped in my mind, like, like oh, this is inappropriate. I'm not going to say it. But like, like opinions are like butts, right? They all stink, right? <laughs> like, so I think too, too many times we have these aggressive voices and, and they're just opinions and they're just not helpful, right? And we see David, right, kind of shut this down, right? Here's what he did to the, the, these brothers, right? In verse 10, he says, what does this have to do with you, you sons of right? He's like, this, you're not being helpful, I think we need to resist the urge to lash out and by shutting down the aggressive voices. And honestly, can I say even this? I, folks, I think that we need to be willing to not be an aggressive voice ourselves. And by the way, that might even be the harder thing. And this may go without saying, but I'm gonna say it anyway, folks. We need to let God's voice be the loudest concerning forgiveness. You can actually write that in. Let God's, you can write that on your handout. Let God's voice be the loudest concerning matters of forgiveness. Not, not the opinions of other people, Right? Now, you can get some counsel from people that you care for and those kind of things, but we are, if, if we're literally making a decision in regards to forgiveness only on human opinions and ideas and counsel and advice, we're doing it wrong. Okay? We're doing it wrong. And by the way, we actually see David model this in the text by go, like considering God's agenda in the midst of this. Right? We see this in verse 11 and 12. He says, leave him alone. Let him curse. We've looked at that a couple times already. For the Lord has told him to... It may be that the Lord will look upon my misery and restore me to his covenant blessing instead of his curse today. Now, this doesn't mean that God uh, uh, told Shimei to actually curse David, okay? What this actually means by this text, as you study it, is that God actually allowed it to happen. He didn't intervene. He didn't actually uh, take out Shimei for David like he did with many other things, right? Um, but so it's not, not, not that God said, hey, go curse David. He's just allowed it to happen, okay, in his, in his wisdom and sovereignty. Um, and, and so David considers that, and submits, knowing that God is actually up to something. Like, you, you see it when David's like, you know, uh, maybe the Lord will look upon my misery and restore me to a covenant blessing. Like, he's going, he's going hey, listen, if, there, if there's a challenge going on in, right now, there's a reason. If there's a challenge, David understands, if there's a challenge, there's a reason. Again, living out what's only going to come later in the book of James, it actually says, right, many of you know this verse, James 1 says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And so if, there was, if there's a challenge, there's a reason. Something good would come out of it. David's going, hey, there, there's something, God's going to do something in the midst of this. If this is happening, this, something good's going to come. How many of you could benefit from that kind of mentality more? Man, when there's a challenge, I can just so be focused on the challenge and the, in the situation, and I want to, you know, whatever, and I want to hold on to the unforgiveness and all those kind of things. And David's like, hey, just let him do the thing because maybe God's up to something. Maybe God's doing something, and it's going to be better on the backside. I could use more of that. Now, I don't think that that's easy to do. I think that's a really challenging to do, but I think sometimes, folks, we need to make sure that we're trying to, as best we can to put these lenses on our eyes and see life through these, this picture and what David did here in this text. Ultimately, which is our first point, David models forgiveness by resisting a nudge. Resisting, we need to resist the nudge to lash out of ourselves from other people. Point number two, you can write this in as well. David models forgiveness by repetitively letting things go. Repetitively is the key word there. Repetitively letting things go. Now, you may have noticed this in verse 13 as we were reading it. But it says, David and his men continued along the road while Shimei 
was going along the hillside. Look at this, opposite him, cursing as he went and throwing stones at him and showering him with dirt. I mean, just picture that. Can you just picture that for just a minute? Right, you, like you're, you're gonna walk down Burkett after church, okay? And you're on one side and Shimei's on the other one and he's literally just going out and he's just like jab after jab after jab after jab on your right and he's throwing stones at you. Not, not enough to like actually hurt you, just being really irritating and annoying, right? And then he's picking up like actual handfuls of dirt and like throwing it on you and it's showering you, right? Kind of like a toddler on a pay, playground, you know, like, the, like you can picture this, right? Like at some point, like just like, if I was just walking from here to the gas station, I'd be like, dude, would you just shut it? Would you just knock it off? Like, but again, we see that David doesn't do that, does he, right? I actually, as I was thinking about it this week, I was thinking about uh, two video clips came into my mind of what this might actually feel like with Shimei on the other side of the road. And so take a look at this and then I'll make a couple comments. Okay, fine, don't get up. You just sit right there. I just hope you don't mind, you know, my hand right here. Oh, <laughs> oh not touching, can't get mad. Not touching, can't get mad. Not touching, can't get mad. Hey. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Guys! 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 All right. I love that guy's uh, face at the end of that. And so, like, this is what was coming in my mind, right? Like, you got, you got Shimei on the one side, David and the guy, everybody's on the other side, and he's doing all this stuff, whatever. And essentially, he's, he's doing that on loop. Can't touch him. Can't get mad. Not touching. Can't get mad. And like, ah! Like that, that's, that's all that's going on for miles and miles and miles and miles. It's on loop. But then, to the, oh, oh, to the point where, oh, this is such a good part of this verse. Verse 14 says that the king and all the people with him arrived at their destination. Look at that, exhausted. And the reason I think this is actually a good verse, folks, when we talk about forgiveness, can I say that we ought to be exhausted? Can I tell you that being a follower of Jesus, I know many of you are followers of Jesus, we are called to a life of forgiveness that should make us exhausted. We're gonna talk about this as we finish out this point. Folks, we are not meant to just go through life and hold grudges and be like, screw you, and I almost flipped everybody off the bird, so I'm not gonna do that. Right? We're not supposed to live that way. No, we're supposed to be to the point where David was like, I'm gonna, li I'm gonna live in, in forgiveness and I'm gonna be willing to be exhausted for forgiveness to happen. How many of you live your life that way? I don't. I'm not alone, right? This dude was relentless. And so as, as you look at the story, if you just look at the story, you can just be like, oh, this dude was annoying. But you got to look a little bit deeper. In all actuality, what this meant, folks, is that as they were walking down the road, David forgave Shimei over and over and over and over and over. Rock after rock, insult after insult, pile of, of dirt after pile of dirt. He got dirt in his eye and dirt in his mouth, right? And he's still forgiving every time along the way. Choosing in that moment, David chose in that moment to change himself. Oh, this is gold, y'all. He chose to change himself, manage his response despite the circumstances. Do you know that the only person you can control is you? The only person I can control is me. I can't control somebody else. He, David knew that he couldn't control Shimei, right? But that he could control himself. Again, that is significant from David. David models forgiveness repetitively, letting it go, letting it go, letting it go, letting it go, letting it go. 
So here, here's the idea, folks. Do you guys know that we are actually supposed to be a fill in blank? You can fill this in. Do you know that we're actually called to live with thick skin? We're called to live with thick skin. I'll give you a chance to write that down, then I'm going to go to a scripture. Matthew 18 says, verse 21, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. And Peter, like, he, or, uh, he's thinking, oh, like seven times, that's a lot, right? That'd be like me really being really great, right? And, and then Jesus says to him, his response is, right? Now, Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And, and just so you know, like that 77 times is not like, oh, he's going to keep track of it 77 times. Actually, in the scripture, if you look at the, the, the greater meaning of that in the, in the Greek, the word is actually hepnobank and takis. And it actually means uh, countless times. Countless times. Because, right, if you know scripture, seven is the perfect number. And so the 77 is you've got to be, try to actually be absolutely perfect. Okay. And so God, by the way, you know that we're actually called to be perfect as the heavenly father is perfect. We're supposed to strive for perfection. We're never going to get there till heaven, but we're supposed to strive for this. And so folks, we are supposed to live with thick skin where forgiveness is actually a default response for us that we repetitively use. We see David model this, this particular thing in the scripture. Because I'm thinking probably along the road, he, gave, he already went through his seventy-seven. There's probably way more than 77. And so what this means for us, folks, is that we should, you and I, we should forgive our boss again. Forgive our spouse again. Forgive our dad, our mom, again. Forgive our friend, again. Forgive our coworker, again. Our sibling, our sister, our brother, again, 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 again. Now, uh, you know, forgiveness to be a default so that, that we repetitively use. We repetitively use with those that we are in relationship, that we're connected to, that we rub shoulders with. We, it, it's an again. Now, is that easy to do? To live with a thick skin like that? Man, that is not easy. But can I tell you, that that is a directive in the Bible. It's not a suggestion. That's not a suggestion like, hey, if you feel like it. No, like all those scriptures we looked at the beginning is forgive, forgive, forgive. It's like, it's not a forgive if you feel like it, but it's forgive over and over and over. Now, I will, I will say that I know that there are probably some here today as, as I'm talking, you're thinking, yeah, Matt, but you don't know what they did. And you're right, I don't know what they did. I don't. And I'm sure for some of you, the things that they did do, man, caused some crazy super pain in your life. And I, I don't want to, and I know that's real, and I don't want to minimize that today, right? Because that is real. That pain is real for you. And there may have even been good reason for you to have relational distance between you and that person. Maybe you're not even uh, super connected relationally to them anymore, right? Um, I want you to hear me. There, there might be good reason for distance today in the midst of that. Uh, but even in those circumstances, even in the thing that you might be thinking about, how many of you know that even in those circumstances, what the call on our life is? It's not holding a grudge. The call on our life, even in those things that you might be thinking of, is still forgiveness. Because again, right, go back to the beginning, right? The, like when we hold on to unforgiveness, right, we're only hurting ourselves. We're not hurting the other person. We're hurting ourselves because we're carrying a burden that we aren't supposed to carry, and so for us, again, I want to say, even in those situations that you might be thinking of, it might be time for you to forgive your boss. 
It may be time for you to forgive your spouse, your ex, your dad, your mom, your former coworker, that coworker, a leader, a sister, a brother. Now, there may be boundaries in place, and there may be healthy boundaries in place, but forgiveness is still the call on our lives. If we're a follower of Jesus, now, if you're exploring Jesus, keep exploring Jesus, but you may be in the room, you're a follower of Jesus. If we are a follower of Jesus, folks, no matter what the situation and circumstance is, we are called to forgive, because how many of you know we are forgiven when we don't deserve forgiveness? We are called to forgive in the hardest of circumstances. We may not be best friends. Things might not be perfect in those relationships, but we cannot hold stuff inside here. I was actually trying to think of, uh, well, there's a scripture in Hebrews that says this. It says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that here I realize that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. We are not supposed to live in a way that bitter roots will grow in our heart towards another human being. If we want to be men and women after God's own heart, folks, then it's gonna, we cannot let that stuff take residence in our heart and our soul and our mind. But I will tell you, Matt Poorman struggles with that. Because the pain that I've experienced in my life is real. The pain that you've experienced in your life is real. And so I know that it's hard, but that is the call on our life. Another scripture. In, in uh, uh, Matthew 18, uh, there's actually a, a story, uh, a parable that Jesus tells. And the parable, some of you know this, is basically the, the parable of the unmerciful servant. And uh, basically, there's this servant, uh, and he, uh, he owes this debt, and he can't pay it. And so he tells the pe- person he owes it to, like, hey, I can't pay this debt. And the guy's like, okay, I'm just going to forgive it. You're good. You know, all that. And uh, so then this guy is like, oh, man, that's awesome, right? He leaves, and then he goes to a guy that he owes him some money, and he goes, like, berserk on this dude. Like, read the story this week on your own time of the whole thing, Matthew 18. But he goes crazy on this guy, has him thrown in prison, all that kind of stuff. It's nuts. And, and the guy who, who let him off the hook finds out, and he says, it says this in uh, verse 32. It says, then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the, all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. In this last verse, this is how my Father in heaven will treat each of you, us, me, unless you forgive your brother or your sister from, look at that, from your heart. Even that verse doesn't say that you have to be like perfectly connected and in relationship and be buddy-buddy. It actually says you just got to forgive from your heart. If you don't know in that story, folks, we are the first guy in the story. If we're a follower of Christ, our debts can be and are forgiven as we walk out of relationship with Jesus, we look, walk in confession, and we talked about that last week. But if in turn, we don't let others off the hook in our heart, folks, then we ought to expect what the first guy got, right? If I can say it this way, he kind of got a spanking from the master, Right? He was put into jail and tortured. Have you ever been tortured by your unforgiveness? I've been there. I know many of you know my story with my dad, and, and I was tortured for a season with my unforgiveness with my dad. I've been tortured with my unforgiveness with, with previous bosses and, and people I've been in conflict with. Like, it's not fun. It's because we're meant, we're designed by God to, to have this default response of repetitive forgiveness, even in the hardest of situations. I was actually thinking this week, you know, it's interesting about the human condition because, right, 
Uh, and by the way, God is a God of justice. But what, but what, what we do is like when something, somebody hurts us or there's an injustice, right? we're like, justice, they, did, they, did, they deserve what they get and all those kind of things. And then it comes to us and we're like, oh, we want mercy. Isn't that interesting? Isn't it interesting how we can call for justice and justice and justice, but then we want everybody to give us mercy. Folks, basically what this comes down to today is this. God wants us to treat people the way that we want to be treated. If we want mercy, he wants us to give mercy. And so if that's our desire of our heart to, to, to have mercy, right, then we ought to be giving mercy. Can I say it this way? We should be mercy specialists. We should be, we should be so darn good at mercy that, that people are like, wow, that dude is really merciful. That woman is really merciful because we're that good at it. I think if we can, in our hearts, try to work this out, let God wash over us, and more often let things go, not hold the grudge, right? Man, I don't, I, I always, sometimes I think about this, like, God, what would my life be like if I actually could play this out? And when I was thinking about that this week, folks, man, I was excited about what my life might be like if I could do this. And I hope that, I hope that you are sitting there today and you're thinking, man, what would my, and you can see a picture of what your life could be like, because this is important, because who knows what God can do in our life if we actually live the way, by the way, Jesus does with us. Abby, you can come on up. Come on up. We're going to get ready to close. And so I think here's the question I think that's important for us to consider today. Come up on the screen. You can fill this in on your handout. Go ahead and bring it up. Am I willing to make mercy my specialty? You can fill it in. Folks, if we, want to, if we desire to live according to David and like him, be a man and a woman after God's own heart, I think we have to make mercy our specialty. It's not, not just something that we think is good and it's something that we ought to do, but we actually do it. We actually are a mercy specialist. I don't think we'll be perfect at it, but man, I, I don't know about you. I want to be better. I want to be better. So that's our second point today. David models forgiveness by repetitively letting things go. Why don't you stand? Thanks for joining us this week. We pray that you are challenged and blessed by this message and that you find application for it in your life as God leads you through this week. For more information about us, please visit our website at cornerstonevineyard.church.